0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said,
1: enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way.
0: Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith
2: Jones with you. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. Keith, good to see you, sir. How are you? It's good to be seen, good to be heard. Uh, It's it's an exciting time. We've just gotten through with recruiting. A little bit was left for the the first Wednesday in February, and now we get to turn our attention to uh, a field with bases on it.
0: Well, we've talked with Mike Martin Jr. Today, we'll bring Lonnie Alameda to the program. National runners up a year ago, previously a national champion, and right in the mix. I think number five or six in the preseason polls. And she is, uh, she's somebody, you, I mean, we talk softball with her, but really you, you kind of talk life. She's got such a great personality. It's always fun to catch up with her.
2: She is a truly, truly inspiring type person. And, uh, uh, we haven't had, this is an idea for us. We, might, we may want to try one time to get coach Concorian and coach Alameda on at the same time, because they, they, they're, they're, buildings are right with each other their fields are right near each other they spend a lot of time talking to each other but they're two different types of personalities i would like to see how that uh goes back and forth we may we might want to schedule that sometime going forward yeah it's proof certainly that
0: you can do things more than one way and still get a, a very good result uh we'll talk coaching with Bob Ferrante a little bit because I, here's a question and you can pontificate on it for a little bit. Big Scrabble word there early in the show, Keith. And the basketball team plays again tonight and the whole team is injured. And so there's not a lot of options for Leonard Hamilton right now. But basically, this, this is my question, Keith. When you commit to doing something one way, which is man-to-man defense guarding one through five, and then you don't have the parts and pieces to do it short-term, Do you compromise what your long-term philosophy is to try and get by in the short term? And how do you make that decision based on how it may actually hinder your progress a year from now, even if it helps you tonight against
2: Pitt, if that makes sense? Well, I think that the answer is that you maybe tweak, you don't change. Now, the downside to that is you're going to suffer some poor play or stretches of minutes of poor play. But I tell you, uh, Harrison, or Harry as we call him, Vieto came in, and, and he's not of the same caliber as other Florida State bigs, but he understands how to play, had a great game, wasn't enough to win, but I just enjoyed him the opportunity to get on the court.
0: I don't think, yeah, it was great to see the weatherman out there, and the effort was tremendous against Wake Forest, who's one of the better, they're one of the top three or four teams in the ACC right now. Florida State would still be on that list were it not for all the injuries they've had, but coulda, woulda, shoulda. It is what it is, but I, at some point in a quiet moment, Leonard Hamilton will tell you that he's never had a team with this many guys down from the count at one time. There's I no agree. Question. All right, Lonnie Alameda joins us next, then Bob Ferrante from the Osceola. That's all straight ahead. Stay with us here on Front Row Knowles.
1: Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith.
0: Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones back with you. And this is one of the highlights of the year. Every year we talk to her a, a couple of times and via Zoom, Keith, we always get to see her uh, bright and uh, cheery and smiley face. Although, candidly, when we used to just do it on the phone, you could always, uh, you know, her her voice exudes that she's in a good mood. This is Coach Lonnie Alameda from the from the softball team. I, I built you up there, Coach, but I know you're not going to disappoint. How are you? <laughs>
3: Doing well. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. Thanks, Keith. It's always fun to be here. We're talking softball, so pretty exciting.
0: It's that time. It's that time. Yeah. Well, and your team is on the field, so it's not just, uh, this is my word, not yours. It's not the minutia around the season. It's actually practice, which I would assume is why, as a coach, you get into coaching is for what you enjoy about practice. And so it's the fun time of year is what I'm driving at.
3: Yeah, yeah. I actually really, really love September, October, November. To me, that's when you're just planting seeds, and now we're getting to watch it all grow, and I think that's a fun time. So, you know, it's obviously a process through the season, but uh, kids are in a good spot. They're enjoying each other. It's, it's ready to play someone else in a different uniform in the other dugout.
2: <laughs> Lonnie, you talk about planting the seeds. You've got a lot of new seeds yeah. that people are excited to see play.
3: Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we had a couple injuries last year um jeniker halliway Kaser. you know we're two kids as freshmen we were looking to step in and then they tore their acl so they're back so they're redshirt freshmen but uh, excited to see them go with the knowledge that they had of the season and then yes a lot of freshmen coming in that um are really pushing our upperclassmen our upperclassmen have been great about sharing the experiences and growing we know we know it's going to take the whole entire team. It was the same way last year, and so it's just been a really good family atmosphere of growing and really getting after one day at a time. It's been awesome.
0: Coach, I've mentioned the word minutia, and anytime I have a chance to mention it twice in the same interview, I'll throw it out there again. But you talked about redshirt freshmen coming back from injury, but are there still – is the roster bigger because of COVID exemptions and all that? I mean, how, how tough of it is it for you right now to, to manage, and where are we in terms of limits and what that looks like for your team?
3: Yeah, um, yeah, we have bigger rosters, and I think that's going to be something this year, maybe next year for softball. But, um, you know, it's good for us right now because um, Elizabeth Mason played first base. Anna Shelnut caught every game behind the dish. Kalen Arnold had a lot of innings. Danny Morgan anchored anchored center field. Cass Davis, you know, swung the bat a lot for us, and some played, played right. All five of them touched the ball quite a bit. So having a lot of freshmen, a lot of opportunity for people to grow now that those, those five have moved on. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a good thing for us to have competition within the team and, um, you know, just really pushing each other every day. So I think it's been a, a really good thing for us.
2: Like and, when you're on a field with bases, when you're on a field with bases, the, one of the things you old-fashioned old folks always talk about are pitching and defense you've got a bunch of arms that's that's is that a little unusual the number of of ladies you have that can go in the circle
3: um i don't think it's unusual because of the covid rosters right now i think a lot of people are going to have a lot more arms but i do think softball is starting to trend down that road of having four kids and maybe three in the world series uh if you're going to make that run uh you've got to have three arms to be able to go to if not four so I don't know, you know, to get four, if you're going to have six, you know, I think that might be where we're going to is, you know, to have a specialty, you know, a specialist come in to have someone grab you four to six outs in the middle when you're playing a three game series, you know, it's a lot in a three game series to face some teams over and over again. So I think we're trending to a little bit more um, arms in the circle for sure.
0: We had meat on recently. I don't, was that last week? I've lost track, Keith, but we had him on in the last couple of weeks. And he, he mentioned that one of the things he's diving deeper into is the analytics. And part of the reason is there's another year of data on a lot of the players. Is that true in the softball? I see your head nodding. So I'm guessing. Yes.
3: Yeah. Uh, I think baseball is way ahead of us. Um, and, you know, full knowledge, but we are, we've definitely jumped into that. Um, I think it's a unique balance for us, honestly. Um, we're trying to get college kids to time manage, do their laundry, eat broccoli and drink water. And then we're trying to look at analytics, right? Analytics to me is such a professional level of getting so much information. So how do you balance kids growing as people and the analytics side of it? So I think we've, we've tried to jump into it, but we also realize, you know, it's still college kids and it's still getting them to play as a college team. So, you know, working both sides of that.
2: Lonnie, we always compare one team to, to the next. Last year's team had a phenomenal run, uh, a disappointment at the very end. What do you like about this year's squad and how do you compare and contrast the two here in the early going?
3: Yeah, um, you know, it's funny when you say that, Keith, a disappointment, you know, I, I think we did feel that, you know, it was a, a weird ending. Um, it was a great run, but then, you know, you leave losing, um, you know, that because of COVID, they didn't hand you the trophy. We kind of just, you know, walked off the field it was just a weird feeling to it and to celebrate it you know a lot of people are like why would you celebrate runner-up and then you know later you're like man I'm like what a season like it's taken us a long time to really appreciate the season that we had last year and all that contributes to being successful to be in a championship run like that so I think that's taken us a while to really um, kind of swallow that mindset that you know what was a very successful year even though people are saying like offensively, you weren't the teams you were before, but we are six outs away from being a national champion again, a different way. So I think we do a good job of figuring out who we are as the season goes on. So I like our speed. I like our, you know, our power, you know, we, we've got some power in the lineup now. I like our arms. I like our versatility. Um, I like our connection as a team going into the season. So organically, 20 games in we're going to kind of see what we're all about and I think we did a good job of that last year realizing that we needed to change some gears and get after team at bats versus in the past we could get after big swings and so you know organically that's going to show us here as we go And, and again we're young too so kids are going to grow up and mature as the games go along.
0: By the way, on the list of priorities you mentioned, uh, for me, it, w- it would be drink water, then do laundry, and the eating broccoli is definitely at the bottom of that list, so I've got room for growth in that department. <laughs> <laughs> you, you referenced the youth. I see a couple of familiar names that uh, have been here a while. One is is Sid Cheryl, and then the other is, uh, well, a veteran anyway in, in, in Catherine Sandercock. Are those, are those two of your key leaders? One's a pitcher, one's a, an everyday player?
3: Yeah, for sure. You know, I think we have two good leaders in the circle with Daniel Watson and Kat Sandercock. I think both of them have tremendous skills. And um, I do think they're feeling the pressure a little bit of leading the team. And, you know, expectation comes along with as you get junior and senior year, you know, you know what it takes and people are looking up to you and you want to perform. So that's a whole different role than being talented as a freshman and sophomore. Sid's morphed into that role really well this year. Um, She's She's always been talented, but being talented and leading a team is just completely different. She's ready to go with that. She's been great with it. Um, you know, I, I think in the circle they're gonna start to feel that leadership role as, as they have the ball all the time. Um, But you know, we've got some transfers in: uh, Mac Leonard, Bethany Keane uh, Ali Dubois. So we've got some kids that had some experience playing in college. You know, even though they're not here as Seminoles, they are now, and they're starting to really feel what that's like. So I I would expect to see them step up a little bit in some leadership roles too, and. Um, I think Janai Kerr, as young as she is, we knew recruiting her, she had leadership in her, you know, it, it's going to start to come out. She's she's good. So it may not be the year you are, but it's just a, you know, the personality and getting comfortable to lead the team. So um, I really look forward to this team gelling here after a couple of weekends of playing some ball.
2: Lonnie, what is it about soccer and softball? You guys are side by side. You kind of share some facilities and, Coach K's doing this and you're doing that. I mean, who, who's challenging who? Who's, who's number one? Who's number two? Who's number two? Who's number one? It's just phenomenal what you guys have been able to accomplish.
3: Yeah, I, um, you know, it's funny if you were to come into this building and we're the complete opposites, you know, I'll, I'll be making glitter posters and cooking cookies with the team, you know, we're, we're very family oriented and they're a full-on business over there and um, so professional and you look at all the soccer jerseys they have on the walls and all the national teams. And it's pretty incredible, you know, just how we do things differently, but yet both very successful. And he's taught me so much, you know, anytime I have any questions about anything, budget, fundraising, um, relationships, like anything, you know, he's a good ear to to bend. And I've just really appreciated that relationship. And so, um, you know, it, yeah, sometimes I go down just to rub his elbows, you know, like, Hey, can you give me some luck and some love? Cause they got it going on down there they're pretty incredible. You,
0: you went right to what I was going to ask when you mentioned that. I mean, there's different roadmaps to get to the same destination. And, and as you just described, but it feels like chemistry or environment is what's core. Either way, you're doing it different than how Mark does it. But at the end of the day, a player is willing to leave it on the line for a teammate, which is really what you're speaking to. Yep.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the sports are different. Every sport has a different culture, too. You know, I mean. Our sport is hangout. They, our kids hang out here all day long. They're in the cages. They're on the field. They're watching video. You know, soccer is about run your five miles and go rest, you know, and we're playing five games in a weekend and um, they're playing two, you know, and so it's just like, you don't hang around to you get your time here. You hang around, you become a field rat. It's just a different culture in general, sport to sport.
0: What's changed over the year well i know part of what's changed i mean softball is just a lot more visible now it's on tv all the time the sport continues to grow uh, i'm sure there's some negative to that hopefully it's mainly positive but i guess i'm asking you know what what do you like about where the sport is headed right now as someone who's been involved in it for your whole life
3: yeah i mean obviously the tv coverage is incredible um the more homes you can reach across the country the more the game's going to grow the more the game grows the more young females have opportunity to play so you know, I think that part is incredible. I love, you know, the fact that these sports facilities, um, you know, I mean, we've outgrown a lot. of softball's outgrown a lot of their stadiums that they're in. And so, you know, I think when you look at that, you look at what Ole Miss is building and just what Clemson just built. And, you know, Duke's got stuff going on. UVA just built a facility. So if you're investing, if ACC's investing in a conference, the SEC's already invested in it, they see worth and value in it. This is the first time that we've sold out here in tickets. I mean, you know, there, there's obviously a value to coming and watching it. So people love it on TV. Now they want to be out here and see it live and you, and you gain that connection. It's just a very fast pace. So I think we got a lot of really good things going on in our sports. And uh, I think, honestly, at the foundation of, of softball, we're a blue-collar-minded, you know, sport. Like, we, we've worked all for everything that we've gotten in our sport. And I I don't think that we shy away from that, you know, like we're workers and we appreciate everything that we have. And I think you can generally see that come out um, as you watch the games being played.
2: Lonnie, I think one of the biggest testaments, both to Florida States program and you, as well as softball in general is most people don't know that what three, four years ago, your admission was free. You could just show up. Now you're charging and you're selling out. Yeah. That's a remarkable. (laughs) Yeah event
3: yeah 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 and you know it's that balance of you know i mean when they say well some people just want to keep it free but you know when you keep it free like there, there's no worth or value to it you know when you put a ticket on it and all of a sudden you put a ticket price on it and everybody wants a ticket in town and then everyone's here and so you know it's just funny how the mind works in that sense but you're right now i mean you look at soccer too again this building like you're talking about tom but I mean, they're getting thousands and thousands of people for soccer games. It's just incredibly awesome to see this. This we're bulging at the at the brick seams here, you know, at our facility, and, and it's really awesome.
0: Season gets started later this week. You got a tournament, and then uh, it's fast and furious. I know uh, you already mentioned you play five games in a weekend or whatever. But uh, tell us how this how the schedule unfolds for you.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've got Kennesaw State, who was in the regionals last year, and they're a great ball club coming in, um, Mercer and Loyola. I'm sure Loyola is going to be excited to be on dirt, you know. Some of them, teams are coming down from a lot of snow and a lot of cold. So, um, But just for us to be at home, open up here, it's, you know, Joanne Graff Classic, she's throwing out the first pitch. We get to kind of go back to our roots and honor someone that's been pretty incredible with this program. So we're excited to definitely play those teams here. We play Friday, Saturday, get a little rest day on Sunday, and then head down to St. Pete, Fairwater. And that's that's become a premier destination to watch some softball. You know, it's almost a pre-Women's College World Series mindset. It's really good matchups. Um, it's ESPN. It's, it's a lot of, you know, we'll have that big Sunday night game on ESPNU with um, UCLA that we're pretty excited about. We get to play Tennessee. Um, you're in a huge environment. So, for our freshmen and our team to go down there and feel that environment and play that level of softball, it's just going to be incredible for our growth. And um, it's just, it's a great place to play um, down there. So, you know, I think after you get do, done with those two weekends, you get back here and you're like, okay, like, let's see what we got, you know, cause you're going to face all American arms. We're going to face some really good hitting teams. Um, you know, we're going to have the game after game after game, you know, mindset. So, by the time we play South Alabama head on down there, you know you get to Sunday against UCLA, and you're going to be a little tired. And what is that mental mindset uh, as you go into that Sunday game? So, in two weeks, we're going to have a really good feel <laughs> for what this team's all about, and we're really excited about it.
2: Tom, Tom and I, Lonnie, have an appointment. A friend of ours, a longtime friend of ours, that will be in the truck for that Sunday night ESPN game as soon as the football season was over, cause he works with the ESPN crew for football. He's already talking about softball and Clearwater. I mean, that's, that's how it's on the radar.
3: Yeah. 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 You know, and a while ago when ESPN said, Hey, we want to do this, you know, it's during basketball season. So it says a lot, you know, it used to be that we had to wait for basketball season to get done before we even got some TV time. And now softball started to creep into some basketball and, you know, just people love the sport and, not to say you know that you know you don't want to watch basketball you just want to watch it everything you can and, and it's a high level sport and you know those camera crews those, those, the workers and now like their passion for the game is awesome too and they're with us all season long you get to the world series there are camera people there that have been at so many games and they're so excited to see you know the the teams there and the game so it's really special um you know to have that opportunity this early
0: Well, Lonnie, we'll, we'll finish up. You may not recall. I I don't even know if I saw you there, but, uh, my family, we had a family wedding in new Orleans last year during the super regionals and, uh, the, the men didn't have an event on Friday night. So my son and I went to Baton Rouge to watch you guys clinch to go to the supers. And uh, he still talks about it. It was that memorable in there to, to, to quiet down my wife's uh, side of the family, the purple and gold clad with the garnet and gold there. Uh, but it's fun. I mean, if if, 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 if somebody's listening and hasn't gone, it, it's, it's a great time to go out and watch and support your program. So best of luck. Congratulations on the success, but best of luck. I know it's going to continue.
3: Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Keith. You guys are so awesome. You're always supporting and just love it. And Yes. And we're really excited. So thank you so much.
0: You bet. Yeah, best of luck. It. Alameda, the uh, head coach of the softball team. We'll take a break and come
1: back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank studios.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and Keith with you, and let's reopen the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Say hello to our good friend, Bob Frante from the Osceola, our Osceola insider. Hey, Bob, how are you?
4: Doing well. How are you guys?
0: We're doing good. We just talked to Coach Alameda, and you've covered a lot of coaches, and I'm sure there's times when she has to be really stern and a disciplinarian. Obviously, there is, but you wouldn't know if she just had the worst practice in the history of the sport or the, you would think she had the best practice in the history of the sport when she joined you. You know what I'm saying?
4: <laughs> yeah. I think there's a little bit of that uh, communications major going on there where she's just, uh, she's got that connectivity with the athletes, but she can, she can maybe hide the, the bad practices. Although, Hey, the last few years, I'm not sure she's had too many bad practices uh, the way they've looked on the field.
2: Yeah. Well, they know, I think most different. of us, I think most of us most of our fans have just completely forgotten that they were runner up in the, in the country last year
4: yeah it was an incredible run right I mean it was it was really fun you had to stay up uh what till twelve thirty a.m in the morning one one morning to uh to watch one of those games and thank goodness they changed the rules so they've they built in some uh some off days in OKC for that we won't have to have that happen again but but yeah, I think there's some people who feel that uh, what number six in the preseason might might even be a little too low for uh, for them. So, uh, but but we'll see. It's obviously a fun fun game to watch, and, and nobody really does it much better than them.
0: We didn't ask her about the ranking, but I'm sure she'll take being number five or six or feeling slighted and use it to motivate her team. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on on her squad and meat squad? We've had both coach Alameda and, and meet on the show here recently. And uh, so we've got their scouting report. What are you excited about with those two teams?
4: I think it loses a little bit of that kind of firepower from last year, but they've got some good transfers there. Uh, you know, Mac Leonard from Illinois state, um, you know, Bethany Keene is, is one of the players that I want to talk to in the coming days. You know, she's from South Florida. So I think um, a program that doesn't have to use the transfer portal very much, but has picked and and, and chosen some spots really, really well, as far as where to find established leaders and and players who can kind of plug in and and play. And on the baseball side, it's kind of um, using the portal a little bit more, especially around the infield where they've needed to find guys like Alex Terrell at first and, and Brett Roberts, a guy who can play second or third and, uh, and carrying it as short. So I think coaching staffs have figured that out that, you may not love the transfer portal; it may be a real pain in the butt, but it all is also there, and it's it's a it's a good way to to kind of fill out the roster and definitely fill in some spots where where you need uh, men or women. And and in a lot of these cases, I will say they're going to be multi-year players; they're not just going to be one-year types. Um, now, Alex Terrell on the baseball side, he's clearly a left-handed bat who's there to play at a you know, shorter porch of Hauser Stadium with that screen. But some other players like Brett Roberts and, and uh, Alex Carrion, they're there for the, for the long, t- long haul. I mean, they are there to be developed by the staff, to be Knowles and, and to be drafted down the road.
2: I just want to see, and I'm not sure how long it'll take, who's going to be the number three starter. And you've got enough arms that you can throw some pretty good kids on a Tuesday and Wednesday midweek on the baseball
4: side. I think that's the good thing is you see so many midweek games on the schedule, you know, say at Jacksonville university, a Mercer, Florida, three times between here, Gainesville, Jacksonville, you you have to have four guys. You have to truly have four. Um, And yeah, I I think, I think there's too many candidates and we'll leave out a couple, but the guys I'm excited about uh, Carson Montgomery, we saw incredible stuff from him last year, um, the curveball went in the into the dirt too many times, and you know he was struggling to kind of get through four innings. But you know, me is really fired up about how he has pitched and how he's developed. And uh, and Jackson Ballmeister, a, a young man from Jacksonville who you know passed up some pretty big money from the MLB folks, and said he really wanted to play college ball and really wanted to be developed. So when you hear guys talk like that, and it, it's really exciting to hear because it makes. The college baseball games so much more competitive you know these are typically arms that might go pro and instead because of condensed drafts and, and everything going on with the minor league systems being consolidated we're really kind of seeing college baseball get a lot of these guys and, I, and that just makes the sport all the much more fun to watch
0: Bob, on the basketball front, well, first of all, Sue Semrao's squad got a huge win over Notre Dame, and we haven't talked a lot, a lot about her team, but but that was not insignificant, and I guess uh, it, it's been a tough go for them this year, but they've got a month of February left that they can still do some damage and get into the tournament, I would think.
4: Yeah, it was one of Valencia Meyer's best games of the year. I, I thought, you know, I, I believe she had about, you know, 16 and, and seven rebounds somewhere around there, and, and Notre Dame was a little bit shorthanded, but but Florida state made that big run third period and, and Notre Dame charged back, but, you know, but the Suns were able to close it out. I think that's for a, a team that clearly had been kind of scuffling had been really up and down, you know, for them to secure another top 25 win. It gives you a ton of confidence and momentum going into what's going to be a tough February for them. And who knows how this is going to play out. I believe they're 11 and 10, not looking great in the big picture, for NCAA tournament, but, you know, for a roster that's a mix of veterans and and youngsters, you need a big win like that just to kind of propel you for the road going the rest of the way through the season.
2: Bob, you and Tommy are are too young. I'm old enough that I remember when the uh, MASH TV program was actually live. I wasn't watching reruns. Um, I just feel sorry that Leonard Hamilton has to resurrect his MASH unit and, and what's happened to his basketball team? It's just been unbelievable.
4: I, I can't trade MASH references with you, I'll be honest. But I think it is really cool that in, in a certain sense, it, it's, it's, a, it's a pain to, to watch how they have to adjust and adapt with all these injuries. But to any other ACC program, they would be just unable to play. We see how many nights, night in, night out, Syracuse, Miami, others only have an eight-man rotation. Well, Florida State's down three guys and maybe even more for Wednesday's game against Pitt, and they're able to go to walk on Harrison Prieto for a double-double. And and by the way, I can't recall the last time a walk-on has had a double at Florida State, if at all, in the ACC in however long. I'm not sure anybody's researched that. So it does speak to what he's cultivated in terms of a program, but it also has kind of shown us it, when you lose your top guys, when you lose so many of your top guys, it's hard to really compete. Even in what's perceived as, as a down ACC, You know, we, we saw Florida State was was at the top of the league standings, and now with these four losses, it, it's it's kind of shifted the focus to, okay, how do they regroup? Do they regroup? Who do they get back? And then is the NIT in the picture or not? So it's really been a bizarre couple of weeks here, but I guess I am to some degree always curious, how does it play out? And how do the leaders of this program kind of gather the, you know, everybody around and say, hey, we've just got to fight through it.
0: I asked Keith this question. I'll ask you too, Bob. How do you balance the chance for short-term success versus your long-term principles of what you want to do, i.e. you want to beat Pitt tonight, but does that mean you change everything you normally do at practice to best suit the guys who are healthy? Or do you still keep your core in there, i.e. we're going to be trying to switch one through five and play man to man next year when these guys are back? How do you balance that if you're Leonard and Stan right now?
4: (laughs) Can I ask Keith, what, what, was, what was the synopsis of his answer? Because I'm not sure I have a, a great feel for what they're going to be able to do. I almost feel like they're in some kind of survival mode, and it's a tough one. He said My, my answer said, to ball tweak. down,
2: I, I said tweak and not uh, overhaul, I guess is how I would say it.
0: But I think if you yeah. look at, look at yeah. the football side of things with Mike Norvell, and as far as Jordan Travis has come, I don't think that he's been Norvell has run the offense the way he would love to run it. If he had all his best parts and pieces offensively. So it's the same sort of thing. You're spending practice time saying we got to do a B and C because we can't do D E and F yet uh, for different reasons, but it's the same conundrum. I think that, that he's had He and his staff for the last couple of years.
4: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think in part you're leaning on freshmen for more minutes than you ever would want or expect. Um, you know, Jalen Worley played 30-plus minutes, I think, against Virginia Tech. Cleveland played 38 minutes against Wake Forest. I mean, that's just crazy to kind of lean on freshmen, uh, lean on first-year players as much as they are, and and they truly are. They've they've had to adjust on the fly throughout. I mean, John Butler going down in the, in the first half against Wake Forest. Um, not sure if he's going to be available tonight. So I, I just think so much of it is – let's practice with the best guys that we have available to us, the most healthy guys, because I would, I would venture when we talk to Coach Hamilton post-game, he'll say John Butler wasn't able to do much. Cam Fletcher wasn't able to do much. Caleb Mills is still coming back from tonsillitis that kind of sapped him of all the energy. I think there's a lot of let's practice the best we can and just kind of get prepared via scouting report and game plan for, for an opponent, and, and really, it is kind of bizarre. I mean, Pitt is by far the worst team in the conference, but there is some level of concern over what Florida State's going to be able to put out on the floor, and is it going to be a comfortable win, or is it going to be a down to the last couple minutes, it, it might be really, really tight.
2: Leonard, All right, would t- let's talk about something important. Let's talk about something important, Bob. Who are you going to bet? Who,
4: who, who'd you bet on in the Super Bowl? Heads. I bet heads. You want to take my opposites. Whenever I bet on, on anything, you want to take my opposites. That's, that's my only advice.
2: So you're not the guy I want to get in behind in the grocery store, the line in the grocery store. Don't get behind you. Get in any other line.
4: I think, I think the Rams will win. I think in part it's because of the running game and, and Cam Akers. and I, I like their defense. But just because I say all that, we'll be talking in a week probably about how good the Bengals look. So who knows?
0: <laughs> Bob, is there anything else we need to hit on here? Football front, is it finally quiet for a little bit? Now we're past signing day. There's some back office personnel moves that were announced this week, but uh, does it slow down a little bit until we get to March and spring practice starts?
4: Yeah, it's a dead period, you know, by NCAA mandate. So recruiting will kind of come to a, a standstill as at least, at least as far as official visits and yeah, we've had a good chance to to meet with more of the newcomers uh, you know, via Zoom interviews and get to know them a little bit better why they picked Florida State. But I think for the most part, this is their time to kind of focus on classes, uh, tour of duty workouts, and get ready for spring practice starting up uh, You know, really in a, in a couple of weeks, early March, first couple of days of March, they'll be back out there on the practice field.
0: He is our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll catch up next week, Bob.
4: All right. Take care.
1: And we will finish up Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios.
0: Thanks to Bob Ferrante for joining us and Coach Lonnie Alameda. Keith, I I buried the lead on this one. Now, you will appreciate this. Uh, I can't really show you, and you wouldn't notice anyway, but I managed on Sunday to uh, dislocate and fracture my ring finger on my left hand. Uh, This is a true story, by the way, but here's the kicker to it that you'll appreciate. I don't know if you know this from from when your uh, kids were growing up and you were playing ball, but they make something – I don't know if this is the technical name, but it's a reaction ball or a reflex ball. So it's about the size of a softball, only it's more like four balls kind of glued together so that when it bounces, you don't get a true bounce. It might bounce to the right. It might bounce to the left. It might bounce. And so I got this for Nolan, who's a goalie, my son, Nolan, to practice his reflexes and reaction, which we were doing on Sunday. And about 15 minutes into it, he throws it back to me and it just bounces. And I go like this with my left hand to catch it. And it squares up my ring finger dead on. And as soon as it did it, I told Nolan, I said, Nolan, uh, we're done because I just broke my finger and I'm going to have to go get this set. And that ended the practice for the day. And literally it was dislocated. They reset it. And I went and saw our good friend, Doc Thompson, unsponsored or unpaid plug here for TOC. But Bill Thompson, you've known for a lot of years, Keith. Yep. 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 So the kicker to the story without, I'm not sure that our listeners are this interested in the story, but it was my ring finger and my ring was on and my finger was turning purple. So it was going to be a choice between keep my finger or keep my wedding band. And ultimately I decided to keep the finger and the wedding band got caught off my, cut off my finger on Monday. So that was about 60 minutes of my life. I do still have the ring. I have no idea how much it costs to fix it from here, but that's, that's next on my list. As soon as my finger is no longer swollen.
2: Hmm. So, what well, you do over the reaction, weekend? My first reaction is, why did you go to the doctor? Just tape an aspirin to it and put it in a bucket of ice.
0: I hear you. I hear you. I did debate yanking the thing back out. I thought to myself, if I was Ronnie Lott, they'd just cut the finger off. And if I was a football player, the trainer would just yank it back in place. And two plays later, I'd be back in. But I'm, I'm not Ronnie Lott nor a football player, Keith. So I went and had the professionals set it. And, and
2: that's why I host a radio show with you. <laughs> well, I, not to one up you, but it, it happens all the time, uh, or at least it did, you know, back in the old days. I I dislocated my middle finger on my right hand. And our good friend, Randy Orvitz, who will be inducted into the Florida State uh, Sports Hall of Fame here in the next couple of three months, uh, was my, my trainer. And he literally popped it back in and took out a roll of the old white athletic tape and taped my ring finger and my middle finger together. And I finished the ball game and I went, uh, afterwards, it was a home game. I went afterwards and said, well, we're going to get this looked at and he said, why? <laughs> so I practiced the next week with it taped together. And I, I don't know if I'm permanently scarred or not, but I've got an, I got an ugly finger. Yeah. Well, and that's,
0: uh, yet another reason why I wasn't a football player and you were Keith. Right. But, uh, Doc Doc Thompson did not splint it. He told me that uh, so that I can actually uh, make a fist again and not have a finger that sticks out sideways, that I need to move the thing around. So that's what I've been doing. And and now we've taken up four minutes of front row knolls with uh TMI for our listener's sake. So why don't we move it to the Super Bowl? Speaking of Ronnie Lott, right? And uh yep. who do you like? Who do you like this weekend?
2: I'm I'm going I'm going with Burroughs and company. I I, I just like the story. I like the way they've responded. I mean uh, if you've studied a little bit of the backdrop, this is the two lowest combined seeds to play in the Super Bowl, maybe ever, but certainly in a long, long time. And I, I just like the fact that you know, if you make it to the playoffs and you get hot, you can make some things happen. So I'm going with the, I'm going with the, uh, uh, I'm going with the uh, Kitty
0: Cats. Well, and it's hard to bet against Burrow with what he's done so far. Uh, which has been remarkable. I'm going to be pulling for Cam Akers and the other side. Uh, if Cam would have dislocated his finger, he wouldn't even have missed a play. He'd have just set it himself and got back in the huddle, right? I mean, this is a guy who who came back from a torn Achilles in five months. So, I mean, the finger wouldn't have been an issue to him. But, no, for him to come back, A, he was uh, he was always first class when he was here. B, the injury recovery is remarkable. C, you know, he had the drama of the two fumbles in that one game, and I'd like to see him overcome that and maybe put two right. touchdowns on the board and uh, who knows, maybe sneak into an FSU alum as a Super Bowl MVP. We've had a couple of those. And, and uh, he and Jalen Ramsey, uh, Auden Tate's on the Bengals, although I don't think he's active. So I think if you were going to take a Super Bowl MVP, it would have to be Jalen or Cam Akers to maybe get it
2: done this week. And how about the um, FSU All-Star game that uh, was in posturing and, and, and behind the uh, All-All Pro Bowl game?
0: Well, Derwin James had a pick. Dalvin Cook had a touchdown. But candidly, and I watched about the last two minutes of that game, Keith, it was two-hand touch. It's at the point where they shouldn't even play the Pro Bowl anymore because people are so protected. Uh, it's what bowl games are going to look like in about three years, Keith. They're just going to put flags on them out there. There'll be no hitting. No, it'll be, It won't even be thudding like you do at practice. That's where we're heading, unfortunately.
2: Our longtime good friend Paul Kennedy sent me a little text um, uh, within the last week. And it was a quote from Deion Sanders talking about how when he first started going to the Pro Bowl, they went to Hawaii, they practiced hard for a week, and they played a game. And that, that's not how things are done these days. And uh, I guess to whatever degree Dion was correct and whatever degree that was the case, uh, it certainly has changed a little bit.
0: Well, Dion would know that things are not done the way they've always been done in the world of uh, sports, unfortunately, at Florida State's loss <laughs> based on signing
2: day just before the holidays there. That's true, too. Yeah.
0: Anyway, hopefully the basketball team gets back on track tonight uh, somehow, some way, make things a little more interesting. But uh, I, I I can't think of a team that's been a snake bit. I mean, the football team has had a lot of offensive linemen dinged over the recent years, but to lose three bigs, a couple guards. I mean, what are they up to? Seven scholarship guys have been out out of the last three weeks. I mean, it's, I've lost count.
2: Well, and that's the problem. It has been so many that you have lost count, and you don't know how long it's going to be with things like Polite's wrist and, and, and that type of thing. So, I mean, you know the ones that had the surgery you don't expect back, but now you've got uh, uh, literally a handful of kids, and you don't know if it's one game, two games, five games uh, or more. And uh, balancing that, and as we've talked about previously, how do you put practices together? What's your game plan? You know, It's going to be a challenge for the coaching staff, no question.
0: Keith, before we go, one, one last thing crossed my mind. Uh, happy Valentine's Day coming up this week to you and Kathy. Just let me say that for the record.
2: Same to you and Laura and for all of our male listeners out there. Um, go ahead and get that card, get that candy, and get that present now. Don't wait till Sunday because you're going to be watching the backup Super Bowl and you're going to run out of time.
0: This is a public service announcement from Front Row Knowles. Until next week, he's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks as always for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week on Front Row Knowles.